Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 149, and I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In DCI, we do long-form interviews with game developers. Joining me today, as always, is Brian Tyler as we talk to Thomas Brush about his first commercial game, Pinstripe. Pinstripe is a 2D story-driven adventure game uh, that's light on the puzzles and heavy on the platforming. For more information about the game, head on over to darkstation.com where you can find more info in the show notes to this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. And a quick note, wanted to include this bit from before the interview got started proper. Um, in this conversation, Thomas is talking about M. Night Shyamalan. Like, I, I waited through his terrible season of making movies, and I knew he would make another good one. Mm. Um, so I went and saw The Visit. Um, the, I, only go, I go to the movies rarely, but I went and saw The Visit, and then I went and saw his most recent one, um, Switch. And I just love the way he tells stories. I just think he, even though he's made some really crappy movies, it's really cool to see somebody who's trying to make something that's really bizarre mm-hmm. and really unique that is also like for the mass for the masses. It's not some cult film like um, who made who made um, who made a Razorhead. David Lynch. It's not like he's oh, not yeah. like a David Lynch making weird movies. He's like trying to make weird movies that are broad enough for everyone to enjoy. And I guess a lot of times that sort of flops, but I think he's on his A game lately. Okay. <laughs> I, got that, I feel like that answers a lot of questions right there, just knowing that uh, you, you like M. Night Shyamalan and it gives a lot of insight yeah. into to Yeah, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to say it either, dude. I'm not ashamed to say I like that guy. I'm going okay. to – I think time will tell. I think time will tell that he, he, was, he was definitely unique. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Uh, now, <clears throat> just out of curiosity, uh, yeah, obviously, like, for the most part, Unbreakable and Sixth Sense are kind of undisputed classics, great movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like there's some division when you get to Signs um, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, whatever the one that was in the past but wasn't in the past. I The, 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 <laughs> the worst monster, not the monster, monster yeah, thing. that was The Village. That yeah. was The Village. village that's have, it. If you have time after this podcast, look up the soundtrack. And just okay. listen to that, because that is the whole reason why I love that movie. I don't care for the plot or the acting. It's terrible. But it's like James Newton Howard was like on his A-game. It was like the best score he could have possibly written. Huh. And okay. honestly, it's, a, it's honestly like a huge inspiration for me. Like if, I'm, if, if anything inspired me for the soundtrack for Pinstripe, and I guess we're, we'll, we can get into this later, but it's James Newton Howard, Thomas Newman, um, and then some classic people like uh, Chopin and Debussy. But anyway, we could get into that later. Sure. <clears throat> but uh, that actually – so just real quick question before we actually really get started here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the question before the, the, the questions. Um, how do you feel about <laughs> Lady in the Water? Uh, I think that he – I think that he tried really hard to make something <laughs> unique. But but it, I mean it I, didn't work. Um, Obviously it didn't work. But you got I I give him so much credit for trying to do something bizarre, 
and tr- again do something bizarre but try and make it work for everybody and that's sure. a really tough task if he wanted to he could have just did did some david lynch stuff and had like a crying baby wrapped in like <laughs> bloody swaddling cloth you know and then do all sorts of weird stuff and then you get it turns into a cult classic and he's not shamed for it sure but anyway <laughs> so I'll, I'll just go on the record. I'm actually I'm a fan of of Lady in the Water. I, I think uh, the characters, really? specifically Paul Giamatti, like carries yeah. that movie. I think he does a, a fantastic he job. He always and, like, does. How just how like awkward all of those characters are. I think <laughs> works really well. Yeah, it's it's actually basically yeah. like a, a JRPG. Uh, just everybody's weird. Like the guy that only works out <laughs> one side of his body. Yeah, and like it's just yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. It, it, it's kind of um, it maybe you know it could be a really cool video game you know sure. it's funny because like plots in a plots in video games can are are so much easier to put together if you have some really nice visuals um, but if you do that in a movie then everybody complains you know but mm-hmm. I mean rightly so rightly so mm-hmm. but that's that's not my favorite movie but um, I'll watch it you know okay I mean obviously it's got to be Unbreakable right I mean that's my favorite right? my favorite is. Um, is a sixth sense. Okay. It's just so. It's so, there's. I don't know why I connect with that kid, but I do. Hmm. Um, I don't. Well, I don't see dead people. Signs, yeah. Signs is really good. I like signs. Yeah, signs is. Yeah, and I, if I uh, greatly enjoy that. Yeah, if there's the obvious in, inspiration there for for Pinstripe because Pinstripe is about this ex minister who lost his faith, mm-hmm. um, and he's trying to rediscover or like figure out why the hell all this crap is happening to him in the game. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty similar um, in, sure. in terms of at least the overarching themes, for sure. Indeed. Well, uh, welcome, everybody, to the M. Night Shyamalan podcast, formerly known as the Darkcast. <laughs> um, no, uh, well, <laughs> so we're, we are getting started in full here. I don't know how much of what we just talked about is actually going to be on the podcast. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Thomas, welcome to the Darkcast. I appreciate uh, it. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, for the previous conversations, any indication this this is going to be fun. So uh, obviously, we are we are here to talk about your new game. Uh, your first, like, is this your? You, you've worked on some other stuff, but this is like your first Thomas Brush video yeah. game. Like, it's the right? first. I mean, it's the first commercial commercial okay. release. I mean, I think the other games I worked on uh, were pretty. They were they were Thomas Brush games in a sense, in that they were completely done by one person. Um, okay. But this one's the first commercial release, and it's not ten minutes long. You know, it's two and a half to three hours long, which is still f- short for a game, but it's long for me, especially because you know, um, from the music to the illustration, design, development, um, it all took a long time, a really sure. long time to make. True. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, you before we get into the game. Kind of, who are mm-hmm. you and uh, obviously, you, you've done everything on the game, um, yeah. so I can't really ask like, you know, what do you do at uh, at most games? You, you do it all, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, what's kind of like your your background? How did you get into to yeah. making video games and, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, I'm Thomas Brush, and um, the I guess the first or the way that I got into making games like Pinstripe was Newgrounds.com. I mean that place was like okay. Now the, the fact cool... that it's published by Armored Games makes so much more sense. I was like, they used to do Flash <laughs> games, right? There yeah. We go. Well, Armor. I mean, you'll, you're going to see this. 
<laughs> you'll probably see this trend with a lot of the online portals. Um, they they're probably going to trend towards publishing games, um, mainly because they understand developers. Um, the the Newgrounds scene and the Armor Game scene and the Congregate scene, when it was like booming, when it was in its bubble, it was the coolest thing because everyone was like critiquing your work and everyone was really nice. And you could you could have emails with the owners and creators of these websites. So like I'm friends with Dan McNeely and Tom Fulp, who uh, Tom Fulp is the creator of Newgrounds.com, and they're all interconnected in the industry. I mean Newgrounds.com is in a way they're they're associated with people like PewDiePie, and Tom Fulp is like associate. Or I'm sorry, um, Dan McNeely is associated with games like I think it was called Castle Crushers, um, which was a huge app um, on the Apple App Store. So there's just all these interconnected pieces um, with these flash portals. So it, you're right. I mean, it's no surprise that those people were the people that held my hand with Pinstripe. Um, and it, they were awesome. I mean, Armor Games is incredible to work with because they're just they're 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 especially in, like an emotional shoulder to lean on. So anyway, I got started at Newgrounds and I, I released my first like flash animation. Um, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was called In My Dreams. Um, and I think I was in let's see ninth grade or tenth grade. Um, so that's like two thousand two thousand six or something. Um, and it was so cool because I, I released it one night. It was just this weird animation about this kid who's, like, walking through this weird wonderland. Um, and uh, it was so cool because, like, I released it, went to bed, and got up in the morning. And, like, all these people were giving it high scores and commenting about how, like, interpreting the game and, like, this what were the metaphors. And it was, like, I was, like, kind of, like, hooked, right? It's almost like a drug to get affirmation for something you do. Um so that moment on, I just continually made animations, and then I started making games. Um, and I made a game called Coma, which I guess was like a viral Flash game at the time. Um, and then a game called Skinny as well, and those won some awards, and that sort of kick-started me uh, into actually pursuing a bigger project and doing a real Kickstarter Um and, and then finally releasing on Steam. So that's kind of my background. Is that is that kind of what you wanted for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Cool. Um, so you mentioned that you kind of started with with animation. There is that kind of your is that your your base skill set? Because I, I feel like you got to have something yeah. that's your your anchor in doing all this. You know, um, got to do all of it. Well, I think I think I thought that. I think I thought that, but I'm not. Like there's there's an animator called Ross O'Donovan. He's his um he's Rubber Ninja on Twitter. Uh, he's he's like on par with like David Firth who did Salad Fingers and stuff. Like those guys. Um, and by the way, Ross is in the game. He does voice acting as well. So he does voice acting in Pinstripe as Mr. Dickey. But those guys are like celebrity Flash animators, who their their primary skill set is just making amazing, funny, like highly like um what's the word like versatile animations where there's there's you know a lot going on for me i think my biggest my biggest strength is probably music um mainly because i enjoy it the most um it doesn't it's not hard for me to do and i guess i'm lucky that i got to learn how to play piano and stuff and i feel like i was born a little bit to be able to just feel 
like translate what's in my heart on onto into Logic Pro and just make music. Um, but it was the easiest thing to do for Pinstripe, and it's the one thing that I feel the most confident about. Like I never feel insecure about my music. Um, so I think that's kind of the foundation of the game, and I think the visuals sort of the visuals take root in the music and they grow out of it. Um, so it's kind of like feeds the whole game. It's that it's that ambient soundtrack. If that makes sense. Sure, sure. That's cool. That is cool. So, um, did you go to school for music, or uh, are you just self-taught, or how how did that all come about? How do I say this without being mean? I I went to school. <laughs> I went to school and got a degree that I don't really appreciate and didn't serve me necessarily very well, but I got a degree in graphic communications, um, which is basically just printing. Um, I went to school for that. I don't know why I went to school for that. I think I just wanted to go to a school that was near my home because I'm living in the same city I was born in, um, and I'm married, um, and we, we got a house here, so I just love it here. I can't get out of the city, um, but I wanted to go to a school that was near my city and also near my girlfriend, who's my wife at the time, um, so I just took on a degree that I didn't really care for and basically worked on games um, while I was getting a degree I didn't really care for. So in the evenings, I'd work on games. So it's all self-taught. The music, the, I took piano lessons for a little bit when I was like 10 and 11 years old, but I don't really remember much of that. But the music portion is self-taught, illustration, development, design, and the storytelling aspects as well are all um, self-taught. And I think that sounds cool and all, but like I can't really take credit for it just because I think my family was so it was they sort of supported me and they helped me understand things and they gave me all the resources I needed to sort of pursue it. Um, and I feel I feel like I was just born to feel certain feelings and I had to get them out and had to translate them into something. Right. And it's funny because like making games was like the best format because I could. I could tell an interactive story, which I was really passionate about interactive stories, with music and illustration and design. And I also didn't have to animate a ton because a lot of the animation in video games is controlled by the player. So there's not a whole lot of hard work in terms of the animation. And I enjoy writing music and illustrating anyway. So it sort of just worked itself out into the games industry. Hmm. Cool. Cool. So, um, so, so, what brought you to to Pinstripe? What made that the the game that's your kind of your commercial debut? Well, I'm a big believer in doing what you feel. Um, so you're you're probably gonna make a good a, um, a good product if you do what you feel um, deep down. And I feel like. Um, I feel like that's one of my gifts is um and it sounds egotistical but it's, it's it's hard to explain so if i feel something it's easy for me to put it out onto paper um if i can't feel it it's really really hard to put it onto paper so for me you know i grew up in south carolina i'm still in south carolina and this place is just permeated with like religious like culture and, and subtext and you can't you know for better or for worse you can't get away from it it's there um, so the concepts of hell, hell and heaven are like, they're like always in my brain. Um, and regardless of, of how anyone feels about that, you can't deny that if you live in South Carolina, you're, that you're not going to feel that you're going to feel it. Um, 
so those are just interesting topics to me, and I think everyone deep down wonders, okay, what's next? So it was really fun for me to explore not really a, 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 like a structured plot about hell, but to explore, how do I say, like the, an abstract version of hell or a poem of hell or what, what, does, what does redemption look like? What, does, what happens to everything that you did when you're, when you're scored on your life? Um, what would that manifest itself as visually? If that makes uh, possibly sense. Possibly a book held by Toad in front of the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> Wait, what's that called? Don't, just, don't worry, that'll come up later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's I think that's my main inspiration is just is just living here in South Carolina, um, with. But also, I mean, it's it's not like I'm sitting here and saying everyone's like wanting to make weird weird games about you know, skinny protagonists who run through snowy landscapes. Like I, I am, I, I do feel like I'm an odd man out in terms of the culture here. Um, so it's, it's like I took something that was deeply rooted here and then did something that someone in LA would probably do or <laughs> Seattle or Austin, Texas, you know? Okay. <laughs> so, so for anybody listening that has no idea what pinstripe is, uh, can you kind of give us the rundown of what, what the game is from you know yeah. gameplay kind of concept perspective yeah yeah so it's, i mean from the basics it's it's a it's a platformer uh, a 2d platformer really illustrative atmospheric um really really beautiful adventure about an ex-minister named teddy whose little daughter her name is Bo. she gets kidnapped into hell um, by this creepy guy named mr pinstripe um so that's the general plot, and what's really fun about the game is is there's a lot to interpret. Uh, it's very poetic, um, abstract, um, and you can play part of the. There's there's a lot of cool aspects to the adventure plus mode, like you can explore new caves and stuff and new secret rooms. But one of the funnest parts about the game, I feel, is being able to go through the game again and catch parts of the plot that you didn't catch the first time, and catch metaphors and allegories and all sorts of fun little uh like things you would catch in like um like english lit class but it's it's a lot of fun um i think to do it interactively so who is mr pinstripe and why does he remind me of the worst things to come out of stephen king's head (laughs) i have played 27 minutes of this and from the moment you see that dude in the train car, my kids were standing next to me, and my five-year-old looked at him and said, that's a bad dude, Dad. <laughs> um, the reason why he reminds you of Stephen King is because Stephen King is my favorite author. So I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from saying there's plenty that's taken from The Shining and from It. Um the balloons thing happened before I wrote the balloon story or like the, the balloon reference before I even read it. Cause I read it last year and I wrote Mr. Pinstripe's lines before that. So I don't know whether I knew about it or something, but the, there is a correlation between it and the, the balloons and in, in pinstripe. And I don't really know how that is. Um, but he, okay. So Mr. Pinstripe is, I won't say who he is because I want people to figure it out. Yeah, don't say who he is. That's it. No, yeah, I won't spoil it. But but he is, um, for me, it's funny because like 
I make I make games in sort of the reason why this game took so long is because it was like I was it, everything always felt like a rough draft, and I was always just like throwing things away and rebuilding them and throwing them away and rebuilding them. And Mr. Pinstripe was sort of like from the start pretty static. Like that was who he was. I didn't really change much about him. Um, and I think the reason why he made sense to me from the start is because he represents for me my biggest fear. Um, and if you play through the game and you figure out who he is and, and what he's caused, um, that's my biggest, like that's hands down my biggest fear. So, I mean, if you're listening, go play it and maybe you can figure out what Thomas Brush's biggest fear is. Interesting. <clears throat> I mean, clearly, it's 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 well tailored suit, um, so we don't have to <laughs> go that far. Uh, yeah, that's exactly uh, Mr. it. Yeah, I mean, Mister <laughs> Pinstripe, like the it's he's neat because the name itself is so simple, um, and kind of yeah. the design is so simple with just that. But like, he kind of radiates this icky blackness, mm-hmm. and I I really I really kind of admire like the simplicity of design and just like how quickly that comes across like without being (laughs) without being stereotypical Mm -hmm. of like oh you know yeah well he's in black and he's kind of the first like everything in this world is like right off the bat is really weird all of a sudden but that dude (laughs) like yeah well I appreciate that that was that was the initial goal for sure is to pretty much establish that this guy is a, a sleazy perv um, with oh, see, I thought also... that was Mr. Dickey. Like I, <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily well, got that from Mr. Kind of sleazy. <laughs> everyone in the game is kind of like, are you ten years old? Like, why do you, why are you saying I, I such like that immature a, words? There's a, a point of the game where you can uh, yell that at Mr. Pinstripe. It's like, what are you ten? <laughs> Like seriously, <laughs> I had to put that in there. I had to put that in there because I, my one of my fears of releasing the game was like, I, like surely people will understand that I'm not like Thomas Brush, the writer of the dialogue, does not think that these insults are actually insulting. They're supposed to be like Mr. Pinstripe is like the stupidest like l- low class bully you can think of, like like the middle school bullies. Donald Trump. Um, oh, oh, wait, huh? <laughs> right, Sorry? right. He's he's just pretty sleazy, um, and that's that was the goal. So I kind of had to put that "What are you ten in there to say like, okay, like obviously this is kind of supposed to be a joke. I don't do I do I need to cut out um, what I just coughed? Is that actually who Mr. Pinstripe is? Or is that going to spoil anything for anybody? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you keep the whole thing in there. Keep the. I mean, there is a there is a resemblance um, for sure. <laughs> um. Like I said, I'm in South Carolina, you know. So <laughs> I'm in Georgia, and Brian's in Florida. We know. There you guys know all about it. <laughs> uh, we know indeed. Now, um, kind of when when I was I was going into the game, uh, just from the the art style, there, there's something about it that kind of it actually reminds me, um, kind of of the most recent Double Fine adventure game, um, Broken Age. Um, so I guess, yeah. you know, just like kind of skinny yeah. characters and, and stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, very, um, not cartoony, but, you know, like you yeah. said, illustrative, like almost like it, it would be a cartoon movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and so when I went into it, I had kind of a mindset of more of a adventure game. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then I got uh, a slingshot, and I was, like, bouncing up and down on these, like, hell dogs and, and killing them. And it was like, okay, this is a completely <laughs> different game. Uh, what, yeah. what kind of tool set do you have just as far as gameplay mechanic? Um, you know, without kind of spoiling anything, but just, like, yeah. what, what, so, what are you kind of doing throughout the game? Um, like, the goal was to make it as simple as possible. Um, but that is really a tough that's a really tough thing to accomplish when like if the whole game is just exploration and, and just chilling or chilling and listening to good music and following a story um, it's really super simple gameplay is really bad because the game would be like an hour long um, so like for me like I added in some things that added a little bit of challenge to the game um, like there's some on-screen puzzles and stuff um, and there's also like some flappy bird type game mini game puzzles in the game um, that some people love and some people hate um, but it's uh, it's hard it's really hard because like like 90% of the reviews that have come out for Pinstripe are like this game is great there's such a great balance between you know chill casual gaming and actual puzzle platforming and adventure um, but some of the reviews there's a couple like completely slam the game for being for not knowing what it is Um, and, and the thing is, is that I'll admit that, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I call it an adventure game, but it's, it's got a lot. It's got a, it's puzzle platformer. It's got adventure, but it's like really super narrative. Like it's, it's a, it's a narrative game. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to call it and I don't know what it's, um, strong suit is. And I think I think that's okay with most players, um, but like I said, some people just they I don't think that they like I don't think they like jumping into a game and going wait I don't know what this is and I don't know how to do this stuff because um, some people think it's like a left to right game like you can run from the left it's like Donkey Kong and mm-hmm. you just run to the right and I saw Game Grumps play the game and um, which I'm super grateful they played but the the first level. They just they they got stuck on one frame, and tried running to the right over and over and over again. And they had to go to the walkthrough and realize, oh, I can walk to the left. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, like just poor. Ever ever <laughs> yeah, since Pitfall, it's like first thing you do is go left. Like you don't know if there's a secret there. Oh, see, you know what? Like, like I, I totally yeah. get that. I totally get to go to the right thing, and then I especially because. So, like, I, I want to say, like, ten minutes in, you're kind of at the scene of, like, a tra- uh, a, a train crash. Uh, I'm not really spoiling anything. And yeah, um, no, so, like, I, I ran right, and then I immediately, you re- immediately run into your, like, first kind of puzzle. And I was like, oh, yep. I can't get on there. Okay, so let's go the other way. And right, then you just, right. you know, I found out you just go left. It, I mean, it, it's, at this point, like, well, that kind of exploration, you know, that, yeah. I, I think that's, that's pretty simple, but then again, I do play a lot of these things. So, right, right, and that's the thing is it's hard. It's really hard, and that's why I'm. It's making games is a big emotional struggle because you mm-hmm. don't really know. Sometimes you don't know who your market is, um, and you don't know who to cater to. So you try and cater to yourself, and you just pray to God that people get it. Um, so some of the top industry people, like some, I won't say who, but some of the, one of the biggest industry legends that I can think of played this game and I was like please love this game I was so nervous I was waiting for him to text me back and all he said was all he said was I feel lost 
and then I didn't really text him for like another four months. Oh god! You know, so it's <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard. Like the Game Grumps guys were totally valid because I've heard what they experienced is stuff I've heard from maybe twenty to thirty percent of the players. So I've done everything I can in terms of trying to hint, like putting arrows. I've put like big signs. You can go left and right. You know, you can explore the whole world. It's kind of like Zelda. You don't there's you don't just go straight. Um, but that was funny, you know. That was one of the, one of the biggest challenges with the game was like, no, you can actually explore and you have to backtrack. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. Um, that I don't know. In, in my mind, I you know I guess yeah I I do play a lot of video games, but mm-hmm. anytime I come to a, a fork in the road and and that can even you know in 2d when you can go left or go right it, even if right. i don't know if i can go one way or the other like on a on a game like this usually right means forward so that means right. i'm gonna go right. left first because <laughs> like i want to miss anything right exactly so that yeah. i don't know that that's just yeah it's it's hard to not think like somebody that plays like hundreds of video games right right and it's i think pinstripe is fairly unique in the sense that the camera doesn't move um so every frame is still um so that is one thing where uh it's not like the camera sort of follows you to the left or to the right it's these still shots almost like resident evil like the the one on gamecube what was that one called it was just resident evil but every shot is is still and structured so I think that may have caused the confusion. But I've been reading the reviews on Steam, and no one's really commented on that. So I've just had a couple people, um, especially people higher up in the industry, say this this is a concerning thing. But overall, I don't think it's been a huge problem. That's interesting. How would you um, – I assume you know, you've, you've played-tested it with people and, and kind of had mm-hmm. uh, other people giving you feedback throughout the, the process – um, are yeah. there any other things kind of like, you know, trying to, trying to tell people that they can explore more? Are there any other parts of the mm-hmm. game where oh, yeah. you, you made it and it was like, this totally makes sense. Somebody plays it and they're like, no, this makes no sense yeah. that you can kind of well, talk about. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners are expiring indie game devs or game devs currently, but a big piece of advice, um, is to, to, to play test like crazy, like do a ton of beta I, I think I did three beta tests um, in sequence one of them was a year two years ago and then I did one three four months before launch and then I did one one month before launch so a ton of beta testing I did a ton of play testing with friends um, and then I also did quality assurance I hired a company to do quality assurance and they helped me understand sort of some things like that and a lot of the things that I heard and also oh man this is a big one submitting your game to competitions and getting the judges to comment on them. Um, and sometimes they'll send you, like IGFs, I don't know if they do this anymore, but they'll send you emails and say, I'm a judge, and let me tell you what I loved about the game and what I hated. So anyway, uh, some of the things that I heard were, and they've been recently fixed, so they're, they didn't, it didn't launch this way, thank God. But um, some of the IGF judges in particular were so disappointed by the platforming. They thought it was so frustrating, and and I think the biggest thing, the biggest complaint, and it wasn't just IGF judges, it was some beta testers as well, a lot of beta testers. In platforming games, you have a safe zone between a standing on a platform and falling, 
so that you can jump. So there, it's like a timer. It's like like one second. So if you fall off a platform, you have one second where you can still keep jumping even though you're falling. So it allows the player to feel like they have more control over their jumps. So I had to implement that for the launch. Um, I don't know if that makes – does that make sense what I said? So basically you can you can fall off uh, and you've got mm-hmm. a time span of a second where if you still press the button yeah. to jump, you'll jump as right, if you were right. still on solid ground. Yeah, and it's like it's like the most – obvious traditional way of making platforming i just didn't know that um so i added that sure, yeah that if you're it. not on the other side of that like you, you yeah sure you feel it but you just like mm-hmm. always think that's right and you don't realize that yeah. that's like a mechanic yeah in my brain i'm like it's <laughs> physics this is how real life works this if you right. miss yeah. the jump you fall to your death um but a lot of and that's another thing is that a lot of the frames that you look especially in edgewood um would there, like for example, there's one frame where I don't know if you know, but PewDiePie is in the game. Um, he's he's the guy hanging from the tree. Um, oh, okay. That yeah, that sequence. There's a there's a bunch of like wooden platforms underneath Felix, um, but those weren't there. And I submitted the game to IGF, and if you miss the jump to the tree, you fall, and then you have to redo like two puzzles. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff where I was punishing the player for no reason. Um, and so I had to fix that sort of level of punishment. And if there is punishment in games, you got to reward them significantly. Um, so, for example, like the a lot of people were frustrated with the the tree that you have to jump up with the thorns coming out of it. Um, so first off, I made it a lot easier to jump up that. And then secondly, I added some rewards at the top, which is the toy chest. There's a box with a gem in it, and there's also a slingshot. So, and my brother always tells my brother's really into into um game design um he he or puzzle design and he always says if you're gonna lead the player somewhere make sure you reward them um yeah give them a little something just to show them yeah. you know even if it's just something like a yeah a site they haven't seen or, or, or something yep. or just something that makes it feel like the the journey was worth it right absolutely and so that's something that and it uh, the things that i'm mentioning are like basics like game design basics um but like we were talking about before it's sort of all self. It's all self-taught. So, and I don't really play video games, to be honest. Um, so, like, figuring those basic things out was really tough for me. <laughs> but now that I know them, it's just going to help me significantly for the next project. Interesting. And that is that. That is something that I'm constantly. Uh, I wouldn't say frustrated by, but in in a game where <clears throat> you kind of, you know, you you can tell what the actual path is and you go oh let's go over here and then there's nothing there it's like okay (laughs) i know what that was only like 30 seconds of my life that i wasted but like (laughs) there could have been something there (laughs) yep yep absolutely um nice very nice um excuse me so so you made the game uh by yourself uh, how mm-hmm. how did you actually divide your time as far as like making the game and how did you kind of schedule that stuff out? Did you yeah. uh, would you like do like gameplay like level design for a really large part of the game or did you kind of like design one level, do the art for it, do the the music, and then kind of move on from there? Or like how did you how did you go about divvying that up and and actually getting things done? Yeah, so. Um... So uh, I don't know if you knew, but like 
the majority of the game was developed um, when I was full time um, a graphic designer at a, a marketing agency, a B two B marketing agency. So the majority of the development of the game um, was made in the early morning, so like at six a.m. went before I went to work uh, during lunch break. So I would like I would like eat my sandwich really fast and then like get to work on the game as fast as I could and like ignore everybody who came by my little cubicle. Um, and then I go home and, um, or it, in college, especially, I would just go back to my apartment. Didn't, <laughs> didn't make a lot of friends. Um, but I just go back to my apartment and work on the game. And so the thing is, is that like the, when you're, when you're constantly scrambling, trying to find time to make something, the last thing you want to do is concept or like, or like brainstorm or research or do some reading. Because you you just you feel like I have so little time, I want to get this game done, so I'm just going to scramble and do it, and and hope to God that it works. And that's why the game took so long because I would build out stuff, and I hope I'm answering your question. But like mm-hmm. I'd build out I'd build out stuff, like I'd basically start building a house of cards and and hope that I could reach the ceiling with it, and it would always crumble. Like the puzzle wouldn't work, the characters were flat, the music didn't match the visuals, the pu- um. Uh, things weren't rewarding or I'd have glitches or the game would get slow and break. Um, so I was always building up a house of cards and it would crumble. And it wasn't until like the last, because of Kickstarter, it wasn't because of the last year where I finally got to quit my job, which was the best feeling in the whole world. And I started working on this game full time that I was able to actually take a couple deep breaths, research, um, do some reading on plot structure. So I, I actually read up on what made Toy Story a great story, and that that for some reason that helped make Pinstripe Story make sense and make emotional sense, especially. Um, and so I think that that once I finally got that full time, um, the ability to work full time on the game, I think that's when things started to make more sense to me, and there was more structure to how I was making the game. Does that answer your question? Sorry. Yeah. I don't know no, if no, I was rambling. No, that's fine. That's, no, that was that's, really good. That is good, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. That's good. A certain amount of rambling is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Were you ever tempted to uh, to bring anybody else on to, to work on the game, or was it always something that you wanted to be kind of, you know, your your vision? Well, I mean, th- no, there wasn't any temptation, and the reason why is just because even now I don't really know where to begin to find somebody like you're in Florida and you're in Georgia. Like it's kind of hard, like in, in the games industry, it's kind of fine, hard to find people who are like extremely talented. I'm sure they're everywhere, but it's hard to find them. Um, and that's something I need to figure out and learn how to do and maybe do some research on, on, and, and obviously you can outsource, but I guess I didn't really have the funds to do it. Um, even now I don't really have the, the, the funds to do it. Um, even though Kickstarter was great and um, I'm starting to sell my game finally, it's the you know it's it's being an indie dev is you're always sort of short on cash. So I haven't been able to find anyone yet, um, but I'm tempted to for my next project, um, very much so, and I'm hoping to have enough funds for a salary for someone um, so that I can let someone do the development because that's not my my strong suit and actually focus on the things that I feel. I'm more more gifted at you know. What would you want to keep doing, and uh, besides development, what would you want to? Yeah, 
uh, outsource? Well, I'd, I'd pass off the development, and then I would I would do the illustration. Okay. I would do everything else. I would do everything else. <laughs> I would do the illustration, design, and music. Um, just because I, I love it. I really enjoy um, I enjoy telling a story visually and with music. Um, so that's – I'd probably I, – I hope to be able to do that for the rest of my life. And, you know, speaking of Stephen King, he's, an, he's a real inspiration in terms of, like, he always sort of stuck to his guns and, like, even though he worked with publishers and he probably had a bunch of editors, he, he would always – he stuck to his formula and he knew what he was good at. Um, he stayed in his hometown. Um, and he was, he was cocky in the sense that he knew what he was good at and he wasn't going to back down from what he knew he was good at. Um, and he also knew his roots. So that's that's something that I don't want to give up. I don't want to just say, oh, I'm tired, or I want to build a huge video game company, so I'm going to be the CEO, and then I'm going to hire all these people. When in reality, I know that I'm good at illustration. I know that I'm good at telling a story with music. Um, I know I have a lot, a, a lot of stories that I want to tell. So I'll likely just keep doing those things and just pass on the development to someone else. <clears throat> cool. Very cool. Would you uh, would you do Kickstarter again? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's one of those things where, um, just like Steam, Kickstarter, I think it's getting bloated. I think it's difficult to compete. Um, but I, it's crazy. Like last year, I feel so lucky, and I feel like everything fell into place, and it shouldn't have for last year. Um, last year's Kickstarter because it you know raised a hundred thousand dollars, which I did not expect. But they're, everything they're, just sort of fell into place. I was asking for um twenty eight twenty eight thousand. Okay, so that was that that was nicely above the mark. <laughs> right, and FYI, if I had only raised twenty eight thousand, I don't think I would have been able to finish. You know, that's that's one of the funniest things with Kickstarter is everybody says, Well, I only need like fifteen grand, but that fifteen grand goes so fast. Twenty eight grand, like uh, you know, right off the bat, thirty five percent's gone because of taxes. Um, so it's just it just goes so fast. So I'm just really grateful that a hundred thousand was raised because I really really needed it. Um, and I think I think the product you know speaks for itself now. And I think a lot of the Kickstarter backers know that they put they put their money into something that was worth it for sure. Absolutely. And as far as you know, like a like a Kickstarter game goes, I mean it is it. Twenty seven minutes in, it it's gorgeous. There's a there's it, a there, there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's also, I mean, it's it's obviously not like too technically demanding, but it's also mm-hmm. just nice to have a a game that runs incredibly well because sometimes uh, that thank doesn't you. happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I said earlier, I don't really play video games, so I don't really know what's normal for a game. So I wanted okay. to. I was like, I gotta launch a game that's perfect because every game launches perfectly. There can't be any any real frame right. rate drops. There can't be any bugs. And then I learned that AAA games like you know like Battlefield One launch as basically a beta test. They launch the game and then they they have all these bug reports come in on launch day, um, which I did not know was the norm. Um, but I'm glad I I'm glad I did a lot of QA because we still don't really have a patch that we need to... I say we, me. I don't really have a patch. I don't have a, really have a patch I need to upload to Steam because it's running great, and I'm glad that I did the QA that I did. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, just out of curiosity, you mentioned a couple times now that you don't really play a whole lot of, of video games. What made you want to make a game out of this and not 
you know, a, a short movie or yeah. a concept album or whatever the case may be. <laughs> well, okay, so hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to make a career out of it, and I wanted to, frankly, I wanted to make money, um, mainly because I'm married, um, and I have a life, and I've got to pay the bills, and I wanted to do something that I knew would likely pay off, um, more likely than making a short film or, or a short animation, um, or like writing a book, because I mean, it's just it's tough, or doing like a graphic novel or something. I just think that's a lot harder to. A lot less lucrative and a lot more competition. Um, so I wanted to do something that was po- would possibly pay off. But I'm hope I'm hopeful that I can do some graphic novels in the future. I'd really like that. Um, I'm thinking about maybe doing a, a graphic novel for a novel I'm writing right now, um, and maybe make it interactive. So have some music in it and and release it on the iPad. I think that might be really fun. Very cool. Um, how was, uh, as far as like, uh, Kickstarter goes, like fulfilling backer requests and stuff, was that? Well, the, there's a couple, um, rewards that have still not been fulfilled. And I told the the backers that those would, those are coming. So there's just two of those. Um, they just take a lot of time and I wanted to release the game on, on a decent schedule. So, um, but yeah, I mean, everything else was digital. So, which is, which is crazy because the the project raised a hundred thousand dollars and the like ninety eight percent of the rewards were digital. Yeah. And to me I'm like, that's there's no value in that, but the community found a ton of value in it and they were like, Yes, and they like so many people supported at like the hundred hundred dollar level, which is crazy to me. So it's just amazing how generous the community was. It almost didn't feel like real life. It almost yeah. felt like is this some dream? Yeah, this is a fantasy. Like, I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm like living in a world that I'm creating, like where everything I want happens. At least the last year, it went just so well with the Kickstarter campaign. Because I would have never, I mean, personally, I would never give a hundred dollars to a Kickstarter campaign unless it was like you get a T-shirt and you get, you know, a water bottle and you get a backpack. You know, like the, all that, all these physical rewards. But it was just cool to see people come together around more of a dream and a passion project than rewards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very cool. And uh, last, <clears throat> last question before we jump into the end game. Uh, one of the stretch mm-hmm. goals on Kickstarter is that uh, the game will be brought to mobile. Is that still mm-hmm. in the cards? And do you have a kind yeah. of projected, uh, I guess, yes. ETA for that? No ETA, but it's still in the cards. Um and there's there's other platforms as well that are in the cards that I are um, sort of NDA right now. Um, but yes, every, pretty much everything is in the cards and mobile as well um, for sure. And I think it, I think it'd be silly not to bring it to um, more platforms because I think Steam is a wonderful market, but I think Pinstripe actually might thrive better on some other markets as well. <clears throat> cool, awesome. Well. Uh... That's all the questions I have for the game. Brian. Great. Take it away. So you're not video gaming a lot. Um, normally our end game is filled with a, a very video game centric question. So I am going That's to okay. attempt. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to roll with this. And if we can't answer one, yeah. then, uh, we will, we're known for improvising and that will be done on the fly as, <laughs> as a game. Um, so well, I like I like games that are like a decade old. So that's fine. I'll, that's fine. I'll probably be able to answer okay. some questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like they, the first two are character centric. So okay, we start out with 
Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Gordon Freeman. Okay. Well, oh, all right. That was fairly quick. Why Gordon? <laughs> Gordon Freeman has cool the, glasses, and he, he knows does. He's a he, cool he, they, they, there's so much personality in Gordon Freeman because you make his personality. Um, because he, he's he's a quiet, he's a silent protagonist. So basically, he becomes kind of who you want him to be and who you feel he should be. So you get the visual. And then all of a sudden he's you. And so in my brain, Gordon Freeman takes on a lot of my personality traits. So I feel like, hey, he's kind of cool. You know, I kind of like that guy. I like that you have that you have a very positive, uh, like a like a pod. Not that you're not that you're not cool, but that you have a very positive <laughs> perception of yourself. But like that a you lot think of you're cool. Not, yeah, well, hold on, hold on. Let me say this. Let me say this. I I'm actually a very insecure person, but when I'm like shooting like zombies, yeah, like, like a, like no, a no, grenade no, launcher, <laughs> you feel super cool. So you're like, oh, totally, one hundred percent. Yes, blowing up aliens, and so you sort of translate this super awesome version of yourself. Onto this silent protagonist. That's why I like him a lot. Okay. Totally good. <laughs> Flipping the coin, our second question, uh, and one I find a little bit more interesting because there's not there's uh, not a lot of them out there that kind of meet this. But uh, who would who's your favorite antagonist? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't think I have one. I I haven't really. <clears throat> The only one I can think of is like Ganondorf. Like I can't think of any that's, off the top a of my head. One. Yeah, like to I, but I don't really like him. I think he's kind of well. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I was ever afraid of him. Um, so I don't know. I don't think. I don't think I have one right now. If you had, I mean, the, my favorite, my favorite enemy. I can say enemy is the dogs and yeah. in inside. I love the dogs and in inside. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys have played that yet, but yep. it's they're so they're so terrifying. The first time you see them running from the distance at your character, and basically you just you get mauled by it, and you're gonna basically that game forces you to die, which I don't know if people like. Um, but that that's that's my favorite enemy. I can say that. <clears throat> I think that's fair. I'm fine with that. Um, def- <laughs> that definitely counts as an antagonist. It doesn't have to be the main yeah. one for a game. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean the like the dogs in the first Resident Evil that jumps through the window like f that thing. So, oh my you know, gosh, yeah. dude! Yes, <laughs> totally. Yeah, those are dogs so all horrifying. around. Dogs in video games, <laughs> and scary video Zombie games. dogs. Forget them. Yeah. yeah, no need. Uh, third question: We're gonna leave the characters behind. Um, are there any kind of um like like trends in video games or anything going on today? Um, that you think more people should kind of be cottoning on to or, or, or getting on top of? Oh, man. Outside of small indie almost horror games. Like, because it's profitable? <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. Because I, mean, I don't, that, honestly, yeah. I don't know what's profitable. I have no idea. I'm just mm-hmm. doing what I feel, honestly, which I know sounds pretentious, but, um, like, it, I, I can answer your question kind of. Um, okay. I really wish it's kind of frustrating. I really wish that the game industry would expand its idea of what a game is because there's there's games when a game comes out and it's not very gamey, for example, pinstripe um, and and people play it who they expect a game type of game 
Like it's it's very it's very obviously a game. I, I don't know if I'm making sense, um, but like games like uh, no, they're, they're not the game industry itself, especially like as they've come to expect a certain type of thing from games and games yeah. that break that mold, especially now that you get into. <laughs> Uh, like a, a horrible term for them is the walking simulators, but stuff like Gone Home, yeah, where uh, it doesn't necessarily have right. the gameplay you're used to, but it's still using the medium to express mm-hmm. itself in a story. Yeah, yeah. That and kinda... I don't know how. I I wish that the industry wasn't so. Now, here's the thing: walking sims. There's so many walking sims, so a lot of the, a lot of these walking sims kind of screw up the genre. Um, but my point is is that I wish that the gaming industry sort of recognized um i guess I guess they do, but sometimes I feel like they don't I think they they sort of almost like there's sort of like this global like scoff from the from the gaming community at games that are artsy because you're just copying limbo right that's the sort of the in quotes you're copying limbo, so anyone who does something artsy is categorized and, and funneled through the lens of Limbo. Um, but but people don't really do that with, like, a first-person shooter. I, I, I don't know if I'm making sense, but it's no, kind I, of frustrating I, yeah. to get... You feel... It's kind of... You feel judged. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, no, you're, you're making sense. <clears throat> um, but, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where... Uh, as a uh, as a community, people that play video games aren't always the most creative with comparisons. <laughs> I mean, you, you go oh, yeah, and look at reviews... Right. And, you know, it's like, it, we're still talking about games that have combat like Arkham Asylum, and we haven't come up with a good way to explain what that combat is, except yeah. that it, it feels like the Arkham games. Um, right. But, I mean, like, for <laughs> it, it's starting to, to loosen up now, but for so long, yeah. anything that had, like, a, uh, you know... Um, super blocky graphics and allowed you to create things was a Minecraft clone. And while I wasn't consuming, like, you know, games criticism in the mid-90s, I'm sure that everything for a long time was just a Doom clone. Not a first-person shooter, just a Doom clone. And so we're, we're at this point where everything is, you know, oh, it's just a, you know, artsy games are just cloning limbo well no they're not right but we yeah. just yeah we're not great at like actually <laughs> describing what things are without well, using I, a shorthand of hey this yeah. it's like that well i just don't understand why games have to like personally i don't really want to play a game to, to feel challenged or to experience gameplay mechanics in quotes like any like a lot, of, obviously, a lot of these competitions, indie game competitions, are great because they they choose very unique games, which is really cool. But sometimes it feels like the video game competitions choose very unique gameplay mechanics, but not necessarily unique stories or unique narratives. It's just like, oh, that's a cool mechanic that we could probably sell to Valve, you know. So I don't I don't necessarily know how to explain it other than I I wish that the the mindset was a little bit more liberal, um, um, not politically, but liberal, um, <laughs> in t- or, or in terms of like a much broader sense of what a game can be. And I think we're moving in that direction for sure. Um, we are. I mean, but, the medium itself, especially when you compare it to like other art forms, it's still mm-hmm. really kind of super young. And, and yeah, we're it still is. trying to find a language to describe everything. And there, you know, like 
art's gone through different periods where everybody was kind of doing one thing where you know you had your mm-hmm. your cubist period and you know like the like the Picasso and everybody trying to trying to go after what what he was doing um right and so like I, we're still trying like video games themselves are still trying to find them what their way and i mean that's why that's it's one reason why like conversations like our video games art are both like kind of helpful and hurtful uh because like they they definitely are, but at the same time, they don't need to be. Yes, sure. And like people trying to deal with that and 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 find like what crate this fits into, um, always kind of have a hard time like kind of kind of going back and forth and looking for something. There's definitely a the dogs too, but there's definitely like a <laughs> uh, you know there's there's a subsection of the populace where it's like if it doesn't meet this this rigorous criteria, oh well, that's right. not a video game. And then people tell well, me that also, like, you know, like, derisively, too, like, just yeah. to throw it out there if it's something that I don't like. Right, right. And, like, I think I'm just going off of some, uh, not bitter feelings, but just some negative feelings that I have about an outlet that, that you know, re- reviewed Pinstripe. And what was frustrating was that, you know, again, like, majority of the outlets that reviewed Pinstripe loved the game and they understood it. They got it. Um and I'm not saying plot. They didn't get the plot. They understood what Pinstripe was. Um, it just made sense to them, the entire thing. Um, but this one outlet did not understand what it was. And so in the list of, of things that they disliked about the game, it was like the boss was too easy, the enemies were too easy, the puzzles were too easy. And I'm like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like, that's what I wanted. I didn't want anyone to be bogged down by puzzles. I wanted people to be moving along in the story at the pace that I wanted, you know? So it was really difficult to read that because I was like, you're missing the point, like hitting my head. Like, you're missing it. I don't know why you don't get it. But obviously, like, if it was if it was like a game game, I don't know how else to say it, but like a gamey game, then those are valid concerns. But it's totally different with a game like Pinstripe. And that's what's really tough with just the Internet and the press and the media in general, which is... You, you just hope that the right person plays your game and reviews it. And that's what the, what's tough, like like you were saying. You, you know, one person who loves sports games could review your game, and you're like, oh, crap, I wish it was someone who, who liked, you know, adventure games. So you don't know who's, re- who's reviewing what. So your Metacritic, like, honestly, every Metacritic score you see for a game um, – is is filled like if you go through and read all the critic reviews, it's filled with all these outlets that you have no idea who these writers are, and every free most of them are freelance writers, so you have no idea who's writing what, and who likes what kind of game. So you just cross your fingers and hope um, that most of the most of the media enjoys your game, um, or the type of people writing enjoy your style of game. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. No. Kind of rambling. No, it's it's fine. That 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 makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think a lot of it just has to do with the. Um, I, at some point, we're going to have to stop using the excuse of it's a young medium, um, but it is still a young medium. Yeah, I mean, it is. We're, we're still That's figuring out right. a, a whole bunch of stuff, um, and it's just it's grown so quickly and become so popular. I mean, there there weren't. Like, you know, dozens of millions of people picking, you know, going and, and watching movies like 
way back in the day. Like that was <laughs> right. It, it's it's exploded so much because of the very nature of the internet, and so the the fact that it's expanding um, faster than it's maturing causes causes issues like this. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and to just a quick thing to your, your point, Brian, uh, video games or art, like, personally, I think that's kind of a, a, a dumb discussion because, like, even if something's made for money, I mean, all of all of our greatest works of art, like, people did on commission. So the fact that people make things Absolutely. for money uh, or for entertainment doesn't negate its art. Uh, but I think the more meaningful question is not, is it art, but, like, does it say something uh, because mm-hmm. I mean that's that's really what you want art to do, right. and not just not just tell a story, but like does it say something about us as humans or the relationship between a father and a daughter yeah. or, or whatever the case may be? Um, right. Like does it does it actually add to our collective conversation? Um, right. And that's that's what we should. And not all video games need to do that, but the ones that we want to, we we need to hold kind of to that standard mm-hmm. um and that's yeah, I agree. kind of how we i don't know get beyond this <laughs> sorry <laughs> i think you're dead on and like for me the biggest thing for for pinstripe was not to tell a plot per se but to form an emotional connection um with the person playing the game like my theory is like if you if your whatever your media is or what's the word medium uh whatever you're conveying an emotion through whether it's visuals or audio or um or touch like sculpture or whatever as long as it's forming an emotional connection with somebody and you're transferring something that's deep inside of your soul into the other person in my opinion that's that's art so like you're saying some games don't do that and aren't intended to do that. Like, I guess sports games, other than, you know, creating a sense of, like, competition and frustration, I don't see sports games as, like, art. You know what I mean? But um, some could argue that it is. Who knows? Sure. Okay. Well, luckily we covered uh, both the question I asked and the one after it, which is, you know, kind of things we'd like to see. Uh, go away from video games. So we got we got both of those lumped up cool. into a nice little discussion. Uh, the next question is uh, is leaves behind the more serious things and goes kind of into the uh, into the the ether that is us. And that if you got to uh, if you got to try uh, if you got to be any profession without any restrictions, um, what what would you like to try to do? What would you like to do? Um, directing film. Okay. Yeah, that's that's actually my goal. Um, so, I'd like to if if things go well with video gaming, I feel like it could be video game development. I feel like it could be a backdoor entrance to film or animation. Um, the reason why I don't do it now is it's just so expensive. It's so expensive. I mean, making video games is expensive, but film is especially so, and it's also really competitive, obviously. But I feel um. Like I was telling earlier, I was I am I am working on another like a novel, um, and I I think I might actually change it to a screenplay and try and see what happens there. You know, I don't see 
you know, 10 years ago, I never would have thought that I could release my own game on Steam and, and run my own studio. So maybe 10 years in the future, I can do screenwriting and directing. Um, like we were talking about at the very beginning of the conversation, uh, Shyamalan is a huge inspiration to me. Whether, you know, his work is good or not, he's an inspiration. And that's something that I'd like to try one day. Yeah, certainly, and that's, that's perfect. Uh, next cool. question. Um, if you got to play, if you had the chance to play any game again for the first time, what would it be? Oh, man, that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably be Resident Evil. Resident Evil, man. That game was so scary the first time I played it. Gosh. The GameCube one. I don't, I, I don't know what people call that one. Um, but... That one was just so scary and so good. And, like, the mood and the atmosphere. And like we were talking about before when that dog jumps through the window for the first yeah. time. And that, that, is a, that is a genuine in-video game shit-your-pants moment. Uh, absolutely. That, that everybody, absolutely. everybody freaks out on. You, it's are, not, very, you are not alone It's very at all. unfair. It's very unfair, too, because you can't avoid it. But it's so beautiful and so perfect. And, that like, here's the best part of the Resident Evil GameCube version. The best part, and it felt so good, was when you could go into the save rooms and just relax and take a breather. And the music, like, I don't know if you guys remember the music, but if you don't, after this call, go look up the save room theme um, for Resident Evil. It's the most beautiful song. They have an eight-hour loop on YouTube, and I'll listen to that eight-hour loop sometimes, like, halfway through my workday. So, like, four hours I'll listen to that song. Because it, it's like, have you ever guys, um, you know that feeling when like there's a thunderstorm and like you're under your covers and it's just like super cozy? Like that is the feeling of the Resident Evil save room because you've got like this dangerous world with zombies and, and creepy dogs and there's a thunderstorm. But you're in this little like cupboard basically and you can save and it's just relaxing. Like that is my favorite part of that game and I wish I could experience it for the first time again because it's just... It's the coziest, moodiest, scariest game I've ever played. That is super fair. And <laughs> I, I just I, speaking of cozy, I don't know if you could hear my washer in the background. It's singing to itself. Uh, but yes, <laughs> that that uh, that, that um, brief uh, respite from the um, ever encroaching darkness of that game uh, was fantastic. Yeah. And but it's even that feeling. was stressful because. You had only a certain number of uh, the the um, the typewriter rolls. Yep. Of yep. the ink, and it's like, well, okay, so I can sit in here and I can rest, <laughs> but I can't do this too often. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> right. Right. Well, the thing about that game, and I love. Okay, so this is why I love games like Resident Evil. There's a part of me that wishes I could go stay at that mansion, because there's a mood. There's just a slight mood to it that says, "This is really cozy," and warm and something about it makes you want it's inviting but it's horrifying too and so a lot of a lot of like horror games that come out are like the whole thing is a mess and it's miserable and you hate it and you're so glad it's done and it's only fun because you watch PewDiePie play it but like I think I hate to sound like an old like an old person but like the older older horror games they had I guess they had a lot less technology so they had to keep the camera fixed so, for example, Resident Evil, they keep the camera fixed because it's not actually 3D, except for the character. 
And so you've got this these very strategic shots that give a certain every single scene has a certain feeling that the that the the, the director of the game I call I guess you could call him a director wants you to feel. And fortunately for for Resident Evil, whoever was the director of this game, I don't know who it was, the art director, he wanted us to feel this moody, comfy, atmospheric, sort of scared feeling. Um, and he had control over that because the camera was still. And that game, I, I wish they'd do another still camera game like that. I don't, have they? I'm specifically not that, not for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure I love there's, it. I love I'm it. sure there's somebody who's, who's trying to do stuff like that and putting out things like that. Yeah. But I do not believe that there's there's been a specific, like a Resident Evil game like that for a while. Right. Well, Resident Evil 4 is awesome, too. Yeah, ever since they, they kind of made that shift in 4... Um, they've been yeah. kind of going more uh, the almost the character action route, right? Right. <laughs> with a, Sorry, with kind of a return to form, although it was more first person in seven. Yeah, yeah, seven. Oh man, that's great. So great. Yeah, I love Resident Evil. If you can't tell, I love Resident Evil. It's great, <laughs> great series. Some of them suck, obviously. Four is incredible as well. Um, like they can't and... all be just. Nope. Nope. <clears throat> All right, final question, and you'll see. Uh, I I mentioned this a little earlier uh, when you had had mentioned what happens at the end of our lives, and we like to posit that, that at the end of our lives, uh, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad <laughs> is there to greet us with the book of our deeds, um, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you inside? Uh. So is this is like this is serious? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I okay. So, okay, so, hmm, that I, uh, that I was selfless. Because I, I think, I think for me, um, I'm always consumed in my brain with my own thoughts. So, like, and that's why, like, I make, like, why I'm creative. I, like, always want to try and get what's going on in my head out because I, I think something's wrong with me or something because I'm always thinking about my next game or something something creative I always want to make something I always have to do something I'm always moving um, and I, I hope that one day I can start looking outward instead of inward so if Toad looks at me I want him to say uh, you were a selfless person that is super fair uh, and with that you've reached the end of the end game. Uh, thank you very much. Jonathan, tell yeah, Thomas what he's won. Well, Thomas, uh, you have won uh, the chance to uh, stop talking to us and, you know, like, <laughs> go, go to bed because it's getting late here. Uh, it is late. It is late. <laughs> so My congratulations. wife is in bed. <laughs> congratulations. Well, you, you have joined the opportunity to, to go join her. Um, thank you Great. so much for, for sitting down and, and talking to us about Pinstripe. Uh, yeah, if you guys. could if you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find mm-hmm. out more info about the game. Yeah. Uh, it's on Steam, so just Google Thomas Brush or I'm sorry, you can Google my name if you want, um, but Google uh, Pinstripe Steam. Um, or just go to Steam and Google Pinstripe and you'll find it. Cool. 
All right, well, yeah. thanks once again, and uh, good luck as you guys, uh, or I say you guys, as you continue to work <laughs> on the game, uh, you know, possibly taking it to other platforms as you uh, work on your next project. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, you guys. It's really fun talking to you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much.